0: Uh, today is, as Megan said, the, the kickoff of our first big series of the fall. It's called Five Smooth Stones. We have t-shirts. Anybody need t t-shirt? This is a large. Anybody need a t-shirt? Large t-shirt? Nobody needs t t-shirt. Dan, have one anyway, please. <laughs> Give that to somebody. They're out there. Just take them. They're, they're, they're free of charge. And what we did is uh, we, we based this series off of a, a story in the Bible about a guy named David and Goliath. Anybody know this story? It's like a, you know, one of these superstar stories that you kind of learn for if, you, if you hang around church as a child. You hear it from when you're, when you're really small. And it's about this boy, really, not a man at the time. It's this boy named David. He's a shepherd. And he goes to meet his brothers who are in the army, in the Israelite army. He takes them some food. And as he comes to where his brothers are encamped, he discovers that the Israelite army is being, they're confronting uh, this army of people called the Philistines who are just kind of the thorn in the side of, of God's people for years and years and years. And they're, they're fighting. Um, and the Philistines have a champion named Goliath. And he's huge, you know, six, seven, well, he's seven, eight, nine feet tall, huge. A warrior, an expert warrior. And every day he comes out from the Philistine lines and he just shouts insults and challenges to God's people. And day after day, they do nothing. They just kind of sit there and they take his insults and they take his challenges. And David shows up with food for his brothers and he is a a shepherd, he is not a warrior. And he says, what is going on? This giant is yelling challenges at at God's people and you guys aren't doing anything. And they're essentially like, we're scared of him. He's a big guy. And David says, essentially something switches in David's head. And he says, you know what? I'm going to handle this. I'm going to do this thing. So David goes to the king. His name is Saul. And he says, I'm going to fight this champion, this Goliath. And Saul, in this uh, this amazing interchange, Saul's like, well, if you're going to do this, you better have some armor. So he gives David his own armor, the king's armor and the king's sword. And David, in this one of the most amazing little statements of the Bible, you know, David is sitting there draped, a shepherd boy draped in his king's armor with his king's sword. And he says these, this great phrase, he says, I can't go in this. And he takes the armor off. And then the scripture says he walks over to a creek bed and he picks up five smooth stones. And eventually, if you know the end of the story, he puts one of these stones in a sling. He confronts Goliath, who is again like, how can you be coming against me? You're a shepherd boy. And, and David says, look, I'm coming, with you. I'm coming at you with something that's bigger than just armor. I'm coming at you with faith and with the backing of God. And... Um, <clears throat> Uh, we're gonna be using this text for the next five, six weeks. We're just gonna keep going through different parts of it. And uh, the reason we called uh, the series Five Smooth Stones is just from that passage. And I don't know uh, if David knew when he picked up these stones that these were gonna be giant killers, but they were. And uh, it's amazing when you think of like the contrast between these this armor and this sword, the, the, the tools of war. And David is like, no, no, you know, what I, you know what I need for this thing? I just need five smooth stones. And I think it's important to think about it because these five simple things that just were laying in nature turned out to be giant killers. And I think this series is gonna be awesome for a couple of reasons. One is we have so many things planned for you guys. We've got, as Megan said, food trucks coming up. We've got new growth groups launching. If you wanna get connected, we also are gonna do great, really cool, but simple service projects that we can kind of take what God is challenging us with and take it out to our community. So there's gonna be so many things happening over the next weeks of this series, but also this series is gonna be great because I think everybody has giants in their lives. You see, the story is about this guy named Goliath. But giants are not just big military guys. Giants, if you just kind of take it and divorce it away from the person, giants are pretty serious business and I think everybody has them. Because in the story, Goliath comes out and he yells challenges to the Israelite army every day, day after day. And they were afraid of him and they sort of just got stuck and paralyzed in in that fear. And if I look at my life, I realize that if, if the definition of a giant is something that, that causes me a little bit of fear, that threatens me, and that just gets me stuck in my life, oh man, and I got a list of giants. And I think you do too. And so why not spend six weeks talking about maybe some ways that God gives us to find our own five smooth stones? And kill the giants in our lives. Now, some of you guys, if I say, like, what are the giants in your life? You know, you, your list might start, you know, appearing in your head. So some of us uh, have giants of, of resources, maybe. We think about what we want to do in life, and, and we think that there's this giant of lack of money or, or lack of time. Some of you might have a goal uh, and the giant in your life you think is a lack of maybe educational development or something. There might be somewhere that you're trying to get and there's something blocking your way and you're you're threatened by it. But I think actually there's another level of giant that's even more intense and they're related to those things like money and time. But I think the real giants in our lives are actually even deeper, deeper things. So they're things like fear, they're things like insecurity. These are the giants that I have battled, you know, of seeing like, oh, is the world an okay place for me to be in? Or is there something about my existence that is, is causing me to be anxious? And, it, and that paralyzes me at times. Some of you guys struggle with the giant of isolation. You feel lonely and you can't seem to get past this giant of isolation that just keeps you stuck in one place in your life. And then if you guys know me well enough, you know I, I, I have been hammered by the giant of pride in my life and self-centeredness. And that doesn't seem like a giant to a lot of us because we think of giants as like these, these big things that are obviously bad. But when I think about where I want to get to in my life as a, as a man, as a human being, as a Christ follower... My self-centeredness and my pride is a pretty big giant. Because every, every time I try to get there there, there, there it is standing right in front of me. He's like, no, 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 you shall not pass, right? <laughs> and I think in that sense, one of the key questions of living the spiritual life is this question. It is, how do I respond to the giants in my life? Because let me tell you, they're coming. If you don't have any right now, Thank God, but watch out for when they come. Because I don't know if anybody's in this room that could say, no, the giants are all gone. There are no more in my life. I think if you walk this world long enough, you will encounter them. And so what are you gonna do when the giants show up? And the story of of David and Goliath tells you a couple options. The Israelite army, the way they dealt with, with Goliath is that they just stayed there. They just kind of were like paralyzed. Okay, well, if we don't go out and fight him, maybe he, won't, maybe he won't fight us and maybe he'll go away. But did he go away? No. So some of us just stand there. We just, we're just paralyzed when the giants show up. Some of us, when the giants show up, we run the other way. Okay, well, I don't want to deal with this, so I'm just going to go some other town, some other direction, some other person, so that I don't have to confront this giant. And then lastly, some of us adopt the wrong tools to deal with the giants in our lives. So we're kind of like David standing there with Saul's armor and Saul's sword. And we're like, okay, I'm gonna fight this giant, but I'm gonna do it with tools that aren't quite right. And it's been my experience that when I try to deal with the giants in my life with tools that God doesn't give me, you know what that giant does? He might disappear for a little while, but he comes back bigger, badder, and stronger than ever. So there's something about when you confront the true giants in our life, you have to do it God's way. Because some of us, when we see that giant come, we're like, well, I'm gonna take my big old club out and I'm gonna beat that giant to death. And that giant might look like it goes away for a while. But a lot of times, God's way of dealing with giants are not our ways. And when you don't use God's ways, you find out that maybe that giant's gone for a few, few weeks, a few months, a few years, and then he comes back and he's bigger, badder, and stronger than ever because you didn't really kill him. You just made him mad. So the good news is I believe with all my heart that God's way of life gives us at least five smooth stones for dealing with the giants in our lives, at least. God does not abandon us he does not leave us without any tools. And I want to talk about that for just a little while this morning because I think God has designed us to deal with the giants in our lives in particular ways. There's a, there's a short little passage of scripture. Uh, we're, gonna, we're dealing a lot with Jesus this morning, which is always a good idea in my, in my world. A guy comes up to Jesus in Matthew chapter 19 and he says, "'Teacher, What good deed must I do to have eternal life? Eternal life. And then Jesus has this interaction with him and describes what that looks like. And here's what you need to know about that phrase, eternal life. If you're like me, you grew up thinking that what this guy is asking about is how do I get to what? Heaven. Heaven. How do I get to heaven, Jesus, which... I guess if you were gonna ask somebody how to get to heaven, Jesus would be the person to ask. But the thing about this question is that heaven is not what the guy was referring to only. Because if you looked at the first century context and if you looked at the Jewish conception of this phrase eternal life, what you would realize is that He's not talking about a far off place. He's not talking about a place that you go when you die. When he says, how do I get eternal life? It's more like saying, how do I get the life that I'm gonna live in God's kingdom? And heaven is certainly a part of that vision. How do I get that now? You see, to a first century Jew, which this guy was, eternal life was not something that existed in abstract clouds angels, harps. It was concrete. It was, how does that life that I'm gonna live with God when I'm in perfect relationship with God, how how do I get that life now? Let me tell you, let me show you another little interesting passage. Uh, It's a couple gospels away in the gospel of John. And this is, This is where Jesus says something that's just as explosive. He's speaking to his followers and he says, look, look, in verse 24 of chapter five, I tell you the truth, those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me have what? Eternal life. They will never be condemned for their sins. And listen, this is when it gets really cool, but they have already passed From death into life. Now, if you were like me when you were growing up, not only did you think that eternal life was was about heaven, you also thought that eternal life was something that you got when you you died. So it's kind of a heavy price to pay for the clouds and the harps and the angels' wings. But in John chapter 5, Jesus says, Look, if you hear my words and you believe in God, guess what? the eternal life has begun. Does anybody understand what I'm talking about? Anybody understand how different that is? That what God offers us, eternal life, is not something that we have to wait for, but it's something that we lean into and we possess through faith now. And that eternal life is what our five smooth stones are. Because I would suggest to you that there are no giants in the kingdom of God that cannot be dealt with God's way. That when you are fully, fully immersed in the kingdom, whether it's here or whether after we pass over, when we die, look, when those giants come, you will not fear them. Our responsibility is to go, well, then let's get busy with living in eternal life now. The eternal life is our five smooth stones. And what we're gonna be talking about over the next few weeks are particular five smooth stones that I believe will deal with specific giants in your life. And they're simply this. Uh, this five smooth stone of discipleship, what we call around here is connexity, which is community. The smooth stone of invitation and outreach. You might know it as evangelism, just sharing God's good news. Uh, The five smooth stone of serving and the five smooth stone of worship. And I believe those simple tools, right? And that's what I love about this passage of David and Goliath is that when David takes off Saul's army, he doesn't go down to Lifeway. He doesn't go to the temple to get his special giant killing stones. Where does he go? A stream. He just looks around. Like in and of themselves, these stones don't look special. They're not blessed by Mark or Dan or Lori or Eric. They're just something that you pick up. They're tools. But you use these tools, right? Right? Well, let me tell you, you will knock over some giants in your life. And I'm all about knocking over the giants in my life because I don't want to be held back from the vision that God has for me or the vision that God has for you. And so in the the last few minutes that we have together, I want to talk to you about this first first stone. It's the stone of discipleship. And to do that, I want to ask you a simple question. What do you think you are capable of becoming? What can you become? I'm talking here about growth and transformation. And I think if we're honest, like we try to think that we know how the end of our story is going to look. Okay, I'm 48. And I'd like to think that I know what 58 and 68 and 78, I'd like to think that I know what what God has in store for me. But if I'm honest, there's a little bit of mystery in that. I don't know the future. And so a lot of us think, when I say, well, what what are you capable of becoming? Some of you say, well, you know, I'm capable of becoming, you know, better at my job. I'm a better husband, better wife. Some of you guys might also be thinking of like, well, if you really ask me, I might say this is as good as it gets. And uh, I want to tell you that one of the things you have to embrace when you talk about discipleship and growth is you got to admit what you don't know. All right, let me show you what I mean by that. I've got a couple of pictures. What could this person become? Or how about, how about this person? What could that person become? Well, that person could become Dan Meyer. Now, what about this person? What could this person become? Cat killer? I don't know. <laughs> what could this person become? Lori Green. And look, if you're in their family, like, yes, when you have a baby, you can kind of see, oh, you know, I could see some family resemblance. But a lot of that is hindsight. You look at a child, you know, and you couldn't tell that that little baby with the squeezing the cat was gonna become the rock and roll, you know, singer, pastor, Lori Green. Could you? Like, even at its most basic element, growth is mysterious. We don't know what the future holds. We don't know when we look at a child or, or, or anything of, of, of life that grows, we can't sit there and say, I know how this story's gonna end. I know. You don't know. You don't know whether that child is going to embrace music, embrace sports. You don't know what trials are going to. You don't know how growth ends up. So Jesus is talking to his disciples and this is gonna be uh, in, in, your, in your going deepers to, to wrestle with with your growth groups this week. Mark chapter eight, he says, look, uh, he's calling the crowd to join his disciples. He says, if any of you want to be my follower, you have to turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you will save it. What do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your own soul? The word that I want to focus in on there is, is if you want to be my follower, if you want to be my follower. A few weeks ago, it was just last week, we talked about the Great Commission, Matthew 28. What does Jesus say? Therefore, go into the world and make disciples. That's Pastor Mark. Uh, used to love to say, Jesus doesn't call us to go make converts. He doesn't call us to go make church attenders. He doesn't even call us to make E3ers. He calls us to make disciples, which means follower, which means growth, which means transformation. The word disciple is used in the New Testament. 260 times. For those of you who don't know your Bible Greek, that's a lot. Just trust me. (laughs) The singular identifying feature in the New Testament of a person who was on this Jesus path was a disciple, not a convert, not a churchgoer, a disciple. And that is so different because as I've been uh, learned in my life, you know, if, if, if your conception of, of the faith life is that you get to go to heaven when you die and that Jesus gives you some kind of fire insurance, you, you have about this much of the biblical vision of what it means to be a Christ follower. Because to become a Christ follower means something explosive. Um. If you were to become a disciple in Jesus's world, it involved four essential activities. Uh, if you just read the gospels, it involves a call from Jesus. It, it, it involves leaving something behind. Jesus says, leave your family behind, follow me. It involves changing and growing over time. We talked about last week about how Jesus sends his, his disciples out to go heal the sick and they come back and they grow and they change over time. And then that's also related to the fourth element of being a disciple, which is go. So a fully formed disciple of Jesus, here's the call, leaves behind things, um, takes the message out and and also grows. Which brings us back to this idea of what can you become? What, What ways can you grow? If you pick up the five smooth stone of discipleship, how can you grow and what giant does that handle in your life? Uh, I'm going to give you one simple phrase and simple verse out of the gospel of Luke. That addresses this, but this is actually the, the, the idea of growth and what you're capable of becoming is laced through the New Testament and the whole Bible. Luke chapter 6 verse 40 says this: "Students or disciples are not greater than the teacher, but the disciple who is fully trained will, what, become like the teacher. Who's the teacher? Jesus, what can you become? You can become like Jesus. Does that change anything in your reality? When I ask you, what are you capable of becoming? The biblical answer to that is well, guess what? You can become like Jesus. So you look at your life and you're like, well, I'm not really that compassionate, but Jesus was compassionate. So guess what? You have the potential to become compassionate. Well, Jesus healed the sick and he helped people. I, I, I don't like people. Guess what? Jesus did that. So you are capable of becoming that. Jesus could actually like suffer beatings and 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 uh, trials and tribulation, and he did it, and he and he had this remarkable calm and this peace. I can't do that. When I suffer trials and tribulations, I get angry, I cuss. I lash out at people. I can't do that. Well, Jesus could, so that means you can too. There is a seed inside you that looks like Jesus. And you, according to the Bible, and me, I don't get the right to say I can't become that. Because according to the Bible, I can. There is a Jesus-shaped seed inside me, and it is growing. And it is inside you, and it is growing. So the first thing I want to tell you is that the discipleship stone kills the giant of limitation. Whatever you think you are today, that limit can be blown away if you sign on to the discipleship track of Jesus. You need more patience, you need more compassion. It can be given to you. So some of you guys, the call today is to elevate your thinking. The call call for you today is to say, you know what? I have embraced the false reality that I am what I am. I have a temper. I am an introvert. I don't like to talk to people. I don't like to share my life. I don't like to give. I hold on to things, they're my finances, it's my time, it's my talent. And Jesus says, you hang around me long enough and let's revisit that question. So I wanna give you uh, two specific invitations today. The first invitation is to look at that call to discipleship and figure out where you're at. You might be here this morning and, and you just say, well, you know what? Jesus is calling me, but I haven't answered. I have sent him to voicemail repeatedly. And maybe it's time for you to come up and just say, okay, I'm gonna respond. Maybe your invitation today is to leave something behind to go on the journey with Jesus and you understand when Jesus, in his day, he said, look, leave behind your family, leave behind your mother and your father and follow me. And we go like, well, I, don't, I don't live with my parents anymore. What, what does that mean for me? Well, we have identities that we hold on to very strongly. Jesus, I don't wanna leave this identity that I've embraced, whatever it is. I don't wanna leave this behind to follow you because I'm afraid of what it might cost me. And Jesus is like, brother, sister, friend, leave it. Leave it. You don't know what you can become. Your, your call, your invitation today might be to change. It might be to say, look, I, there, is, there is this aspect of, of, the, of the disciple life that I have not been embracing because it's going to cause me and it's going to call me to change and I don't want to do it. Jesus says, just try it. Just try it. Your invitation today might be to go. It might be like, okay, I've got this faith thing. I, 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 I've embraced it. I have responded. I have left behind things. Jesus is changing me, but I don't tell anybody about it because that would make me weird. <laughs> and maybe your invitation today is to say, Jesus, I will go. I'll go. I don't wanna be that, you don't have to be that, that person in your workplace, but just be a person that just like, look, I recognize when people are hurting. I wanna be a part of, of helping them heal. And then the other invitation today is we're gonna do this all week. Uh, we have this uh, supply of stones up here. And as the band plays, if, if there's a giant in your life, and it might be the giant of limitation, I want you to come up here and just grab a stone while they play this last song. Or there might be a giant in your life and you just don't want to tell anybody what it is, okay? It's just something that you don't want to share right now. Just come up, grab a stone, take it home. But take it in the knowledge that that the spiritual life, these are our tools for killing giants in our lives. Amen? Amen.